ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. GPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Davey Hagsma, welcome to ATV Talk. How are you, sir? I'm good. I uh, just got done eating dinner and putting my baby to sleep, so ready to talk. How, how old? Um, she'll be turning two in June. Wow. So it's, uh, it's crazy. It's kind of flying by and it's a little scary, but no, it's a lot of fun. My baby's 30. Oof. Your baby's older than me. <laughs> uh, well, I have a 12 year old grandson. No. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. No, kids are amazing. A lot of work, but very rewarding. Well, I have five kids. I didn't, I didn't even know that. I have, uh, Juliana who's the oldest and Danny Ray, who's my oldest son. Then Paula, who is probably your main driving force behind ATV talk. Then there's Daniel who helps with all of the, um, gosh, what do you call it? He reaches out to people on Instagram and Facebook and helps me track down the people that I can't get a hold of, or maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then there's Valeria, the baby, and she's my right hand. Um, if it wasn't for her ATV talk, just really wouldn't happen. Oh, that's cool. She, she does all of the hard stuff and, um, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Basically what this all is, is this is an outlet for everybody to tell their story today. It's your story, man. And we want to talk about you and, and find out how you got started in ATVs. Um, well, I uh, started, I think riding dirt bikes when I was four. I think that's when my dad got me PW 50. Um, you know, I think I got a KTM the next year and started racing uh, around five years old, did that for a little bit. And then, um, yeah, just, I wasn't really into racing that much. It was fun. I loved riding. Uh, I would just go pretty much beat up my dirt bikes on the the farm all day long. And then, um, just kind of was more into that. Didn't want to race a lot. So, uh, just grew up with friends, you know, we lived out in Bakersfield. So I lived on a farm, we build our own jumps. We just hung out as friends, 
they had dirt bikes and quads and that's kind of where the quads came in. I was stealing my sister's quad to kind of hang out, um, with friends. And, um, you know, we just went from there on and man, the amount of time we spent riding, just screwing around, building jumps out of cow poop, whatever we could see how far we can go. Um, you know, it would, I think it would even blow up our quads over time. Cause that fine manure would get in there and kind of ruin the engines. But, uh, yeah, went from that. And then, you know, they were racing at Taft arena cross. So I was like, well, I want to race. So it was kind of just a group of friends growing up. I mean, they still ride today, but they never got really into racing like I did. Um, I just loved it. And then, you know, went from Taft arena cross to my dad looking up bigger races, um, on quads. And I think it was, I think I remember this. I think thunder in the Valley was that the series at race town 395 back in the day. I think so. Something like that. Nelson was the guy, you know, we show up and I'm, you know, beginner class could barely jump anything. Just absolutely loved it. Um, you know, I was watching Nelson win by 30 seconds and he was the guy and kind of my idol, um, growing up, it was the fastest guy I ever seen on a quad. You know, I never even knew you could do that, um, and be that fast and make money racing quads. And it was, you know, kind of cool to see. And it was kind of, you know, lit a fire under me. And, um, you know, between that Wavos, all those quad movies that sadly we don't see them as much today as, you know, back in the day there, there was new videos almost every year or two. Um, and kind of just, it grew from there and just kind of went from series to series, um, from beginner class, you know, my dad, I always wanted long travel on my quad and my dad was like, well, you can't even win a, the beginner class. So you win the beginner class, I'll get you long travel. So eventually <laughs> I ended up winning a race and, you know, I don't think he knew I was going to do it, but you know, we started looking at magazines, getting, long travel for my, uh, my TRX 450 ad at the time. And, uh, yeah, kind of just snowballed. And then, um, met Alan cause we didn't know what we were doing. We had Elka shocks and, you know, long travel kit, but you know, if you don't know what you're to, you know, tuning it, doing the right springs and all this stuff, you're kind of just throwing money into the trash. You got to have someone to help you out. And that's right. kind of how I met, um, Alan. He was just a guy at the track. He was helping, some pro-am guys and stuff like that. So he kind of helped me tune stuff. And, um, yeah, from there on, you know, he kind of just kept helping me and that's kind of how he became my mechanic over time. He just kept, you know, he's just a guy that loved racing. I love racing and, you know, he helped me out a lot. And what um, year, what year did you finally come to works? Oh, works. Okay. So, uh, my first race at works, we did three ninety race town, three ninety five. I was 13 years old. I think I was 13. I was 13. I signed up as I was 16 or something like that. Cause we weren't, I, I wasn't allowed to race, uh, the 450s yet. I think you had to be 16. Um, but yeah, I think I signed up for the B class maybe 15 years ago. <laughs> what year would that be? 2006. Yeah, probably somewhere around there, you know, cause we did, um, yeah. All the like local stuff, but works was the the big series and kind of everyone was like, you know, if you want sponsors, you want to take us anywhere for the West coast guy, it was works. You know, you had to do endurance racing and, um, yeah, so I did the B class there. I ended up winning, but I got off the dirt bike or the quad and I couldn't like hold a water bottle. I was so tired, but, um, yeah, it started from there. And, um, yeah, it's crazy to think this long, this year. 
so long later, we're still, yeah, works is still the series, you know, to be in pretty much where all the sponsors are and where all the competition ends up. We did our first works race in 2001 before they had an ATV class. We got with the original owner, we got invited to go to um, Laughlin and put, they put on an amateur and a pro race and uh, Tavis Kane was still racing at the time. So we took Doug, myself and Tavis Kane and went to Laughlin and raced. Um, it was pretty awesome. There was like, gosh, I think there was 10 or 12 pros and um, probably almost 20 amateurs. Yeah. That's some serious uh, quad talent you're bringing over there too for the first, <laughs> for the first quad race in works. Oh, well, Tavis freaking had a great ride and won and uh, Doug crashed and got up and, you know, still got second, but he was, he's still pissed about it. <laughs> oh, and yeah, Doug was another guy that I loved watch racing and uh, yeah, man, I think he was just kind of getting done with quads when I was getting into the like kind of pro-am years, I think, but um, never really got to battle with him, but always a great rider to watch. Well, dude, he was freaking a hundred years old by the time you got, <laughs> he was still fast, man. Well, I mean, he was winning championships in his forties, you know, yeah. I mean, you look at Bo 40 years old, you know, won a title still going. Um, I wish we could have had something on the West coast for Eichner, uh, to race, uh, in his thirties, you know, but it didn't happen. He did some national stuff and rendezvous was really huge. You got to do rendezvous yet? No, I uh, have not, but if you ever get the opportunity, you got to take it because it's a defining moment in passing. And what I mean by that is, is you will learn things about passing people at speeds that you're not normally used to traveling. Um, and, and it will just open new doors for you because it's so, it's such an amazing race. It's so fun. God, it's so fun. I loved yeah. it. I got to ride it twice. Oh, that's cool. I've seen videos. Uh, I think it's been a couple movies and, you know, talk to people that race it and just talk about how huge it is and how many people there are. And it's like, yeah, basically just a massive event. It is. You get crowds there that you'll never get that we never get here. You never yeah. No, it's always, yeah, it's kind of a sad thing that, you know, quad racing, even in its prime, you know, never quite captured the the average Joe just to come up and watch it for fun. Like well, other sports have, or other countries have. We have so much to do here. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's never, there's never nothing going on. I mean, there's always, you know, you're, there's always some type of sporting event going on, whether it be cars or, or some type of athletics with soccer or football or baseball or hockey or basketball. I mean, there's just, yeah, there's water sports and there's, you know, there's just so many things for people to do here that you never think about it going and while spectating at a race, you know? Yeah. The people that love it do, but not the average Joe, you know, and they don't promote ATVs in a way that is, I would say crowd orientated or spectator orientated. Kind of, kind of amp it up, get some drama. Uh, I think that the Vegas races, as much as I don't like going to Vegas and racing. <laughs> yeah. The way to do yeah. It. yeah. 
no, I am. Yeah. I'm exactly the same feelings of that. I absolutely hate that race, but that weekend is probably one of the funnest weekends in racing. Well, yeah. I mean, you never, you, you, you missed Mickey's. So you didn't get that experience. You'd roll in on Saturday. Well, Friday, you know, Friday night, Friday afternoon, whatever, drop your trailer. You really, nothing can, nothing going on. Your bike's prepped. Your race car might not be prepped if, because we had a race car on a quad and you finish prepping the race car with Marty till all hours of the night or they threw you out of the pits. Um, and then you'd get some sleep from the drive that night and you'd be back Saturday morning, bright and early, finish up whatever you had to finish up. You practiced, then you got set up for qualifying. Then you went and had lunch. Then you came back and raced your heat and raced your main, loaded up and drove home. All, all, in, a, all in a weekend? All in a day. Oh, all in a day. Yeah, you, yeah. you blew the whole thing out on Saturday and then drove home Sunday. Yeah. I kind of miss that part of racing. I think, oh, I can't even think if Quad X did that, but the, just early in the morning, practice race, go home. And that night you're sleeping in your bed kind of weekend or kind of races where it works as like a three, four day ordeal where you're going there. Just, yeah. I almost wish they'd go back to the old format where, um, there was no practice. The practice you got on day one on Saturday was when the green flag dropped. Yeah. And that goes back to, Gosh, 2006, I think they were still in the same format. I don't think we practiced in 2006. Maybe we did. Um, uh, 2007, 2008, they started doing it more. Um, and I told Sean, I said, that's going to, it's going to kill your, because yeah. Or just a one lap, even one lap unclassified if you're worried about safety. Exactly. And then freaking run it on Saturday and you don't make people lose another day of work. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're just driving the cost of it up. Uh, some people think, Oh, I got to have practice. I got it. Well, if you didn't come to the race prepared and having practice ain't going to help you. Yeah. And it's very rare that the track is even the same shape by the time you get, you know, the actual race anyways, it's completely different where the bumps are and how it forms. And you know, the practice is so smooth. You don't really learn much. When you were uh, and I don't know how to say this other than under the tutelage of Bo. Uh, what were some of the things that he would tell you to look for? Oh, on the track? You mean? Well, from the rider in front of you, behind you, the the feel that you would get, you know, things that, that you need to know to go that fast. I think more, I mean, more for what I learned from Bo, like, you go a whole day with him and he'll just do that one little smart, you know, kind of saying, and you're like, Oh, that kind of clicked, you know, that makes sense. But he was never like out there, like telling me as like a mentor, you know, I think we got to the point really fast where we were just competing against each other right away. So, I mean, we were always friends, but it was never like helping me out that much, if that makes sense. Yeah. Except for like suspension tuning. I think that I learned a lot of suspension tuning from Bo and kind of what you want to feel, um, you know, where, where you want to give up some and where you want to, you know, like make the suspension stronger, you know, so that you can ride, you know, he was kind of always the guy that you want to ride it. Like you're going to race it where I would hop on the quad and try to 
in testing, I ride as hard as possible and bottom out or do this. And he's kind of more like, well, you're not always going to race like that. Not for, you know, when we were racing, it was two hour, two hour event. And I'm like, you know, that kind of, that kind of clicked with me like, oh yeah, you know, a lot of it in that two hour race is, you know, form trying not to, you know, do so much to make, you know, the quad fast, just kind of, you know, he's got a very, just middle of the bike. Don't use a lot of, um, I don't know what to say muscle, but he just finesses the bike. He, he, you know, he's got that dirt bike style. He's always on the seat, stands up a lot. He's never like leaning, you know, hanging off the edge of the, the quad. And, you know, I think that's a, one of the main reasons why at 40, he's still so competitive is because he's just so smooth and so makes it look effortless compared to, you know, like my style or like a Mike Sloan or, you know, someone's kind of just hanging it out there all the time. You know, if we do have the fitness, do that for two hours, we're pretty fast, but he was just so efficient, you know, and smart with his riding. You know, one of his friends told me, Bo's the laziest guy you'll ever <laughs> And I'm yeah. like, what are you talking about, dude? And it clicked with me when you watch him ride. Yeah. He finds the smoothest line, exerts the least amount of energy possible and goes as fast as he needs to go to accomplish his goal. Yeah. And it, it, and it's, you know, it's one of those things, it's kind of hard to teach someone that because, you know, you just want to go as fast as possible, but Bo's going just as fast and he's using half the effort. So an hour in, he's just going to chase you down. I think that it comes from age. It, it, there's an age <laughs> factor to it. Um, he also has some, advantage to most guys because of his pro experience on the dirt bike. He spent so much time there. You go back in history, you look at guys like Gary Denton, um, Dustin Nelson, there's other, there's other converts that come from a pro motorcycle background. And when they roll into the pro ATV, um, yeah, it's, it's not the same, but it is the same. They already understand the game and they're not wanting to burn the energy. Gary Denton was, I would never say was faster than all those guys. He was way smarter than them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Just and like, that's a big thing in racing. You know, I mean, they don't bring up the stuff today, but you know, Chad Wienan, I'm watching, you know, on live timing, all this stuff and he might not have the speed today, but he made all the right choices and ended up winning the race. So, you know, I think that goes with extending your career and why these guys are always just on the top. Yeah. Joel went to the hospital. Yeah. Not, yeah. It's not fun. Um, you know, Joel's always had bad luck there. It's kind of, uh, he's probably wishes that was off the calendar. Yeah. Cause eight second lead and in the end up in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And when we, when I raced with him, was that 2016? I think that's when he blew his knee out or was it the year before, but yeah, he's had some bad luck there and that track is, yeah, the track's pretty gnarly and not very fun and not very forgiving. Yeah, well, he was he was on the gas today, from what I hear. Yeah, no, he looks good on the Yamaha. I'm uh, excited for him. Besides, you know, the obvious issues he had today. Um, have have you ridden a Yamaha? I have not ridden a Yamaha. Um, not not like a nice setup, race ready one. But you've ridden a stock one. Yeah, I think they're. Yeah, riding a stock one. I'm like, I think if you got 
like my Honda detuned the power wise and it's got on a smooth track. Like, I don't think the lap times would be that crazy off. Like how good a Yamaha is out the box compared to, you know, a Honda, it would blow run circles around it. Um, to a point, I agree with you. I mean, you take it to an off-road, you could take it somewhere off-road or desert, and then it's a totally different world. I don't think it's, yeah. I don't think it comes to our world uh, as, as good as a Honda does. No, same with Suzuki. I would say they're just kind of ag- aggressive. That and the Yamaha, the Yamaha rear suspension, right. Is not as forgiving as a Honda. Is that the main thing they struggle with? No, they think that the Yamaha is better than the Honda and I'm just Uh-oh. not seeing it. Uh, as far as I see, when I see Yamaha's at works, they look a little dartier and it looks like the back end always wants to kick up more. Yeah, we're, we're seeing two different things from them it, when you start talking to specific people about it. And, uh, uh, you know, that what Joel's big complaint was he couldn't get the Honda rear to work right. And my answer to that was, well, why just stop using Doug Roll? Yeah. Yeah. But that, and that gets on a lot of stuff. Um, who am I? Who am I? Yeah. To my mouth. But I mean, gosh, I, I'm yeah, also no. prejudiced. I think the guy's phenomenal, you know? Yeah. And it's always hard. I mean, you're bouncing back from tuner to tuner, you know, one tuner might just go the other direction just because this guy, you know, had this for, you know, if Doug had a perfect thing, but they're paying someone else to do it, then he might just change it to change it. But even though, you know what I mean? Doug had a good, a good setup. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get it. I get ego gets into it and all that. Um, but you know, what are you going to do? Um, so what's up with you and the three wheeler thing, man, <laughs> the three wheeler. Yeah. So, um, I've always seen those BBC trikes online on YouTube, the videos and, you know, always thought like, Oh, that's, that's kind of rad, but I never looked into it. And then, um, yeah, it was it 2020 just bored out of my mind, decided I'm going to start riding quads again. Um, a little bit of that was cause I was frustrated with, you know, side by side racing and the dependability of those. But I, we get to the first round at Havasu and I see these three wheeler guys and they're just kind of having the time of their life bouncing around. And, you know, I rode three wheeler, maybe like this little tiny seventies, but I know I have no experience on two PDRs or any of those. I just thought, Hey, that kind of looked fun. So I look online, message the guy at BBC tracks, if he has one on for sale. And so, yeah, he's like, Oh, I have this one in stock. Um, you know, it's this price. And then he must've looked me up or something. Cause like an hour later, he's like, Oh, are you going to race works with it? I'm like, yeah, I'll race works. So if you race works, I'll give you a discount. So I'm talking to my dad. I'm like, what do you think? You think I should do this? And he's like, yeah, just, you know, go have fun, you know, race the three wheeler, you know, no pressure. No one's going to, you know, everyone's going to think it's kind of fun and porky and, you know, just have to, fun at the works races. So we, I pull the trigger and yeah, now I'm racing a three wheeler. Are you going to go to the, the second round for yourself and have a suit? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I want to race my goal at Havasu is to jump the lagoon jump on it. Cause we're the first, I think we'll be the first race Sunday morning. It should be perfect, smooth. And that's my goal of that race is to do the lagoon jump on the three wheeler, which I think it should be able to do it. Oh, more power than, yeah. 
it, 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 how much dirt bike riding do you do? Um, lately none. I mean, I have a, a Husky 501 that we do like trail, single trail. Um, but as far as on a motocross track, I haven't done like motos probably since I was like young twenties, right. more with Bo. Bo was, um, always riding dirt bikes. And if you wanted to ride, you know, I'd bring my dirt bike. Cause you can go anywhere to a dirt bike. You can only ride four tracks in California on a quad. Well, your balance and your body positioning, which I'm sure you've figured out all of it and you got mad skills. So it's not going to be that difficult for you to figure out, to make sure that you just got to stay level. Yeah. Keep the, keep the machine level and, and have a lot of fun with it. I'm sure it's got plenty of power. Yeah. No, that thing that that's like, as soon as I got that and wrote it, I was sad, like even more sad than I am that Honda stopped developing quads and Suzuki stopped building with quads because that engine is so much better than what we have in our quads. Like I'm just thinking in my head, if they just even did the same quad they have now and just put a newer engine in it with fuel injection and some bold new graphics, people would still buy it and it would be even, you know, it'd make it slightly more competitive in all series, but it just doesn't seem like they, they care right now or anyone does besides Yamaha. Um, yeah, it, it's strange. It's really strange. But the, the but here's the thing that throws a wrench in it for me with Honda. We've been dealing with Honda for a lot of years. Discontinuing some TRX 450R parts. Yeah. Yeah, the, o, the O5 guys are sad right now. And, and, you know, they stretch that thing out to where it's almost to the point of breaking all the Honda guys. And then they throw something new at them. Yeah. You know, and that just causes a flurry of purchase. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they do it. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. You know, we'll see. Because I know they've had one built through, you know, friends of friends. And I've even seen patents online of, you know, what it would, you know, look like. And I've heard of people testing them, you know, then the economy crashed that kind of, you know, threw that away. And it almost thinks maybe they had one ready to go again and then COVID hit. So hopefully, yeah, if they do have something, they do it soon. Oh God. If they would have dropped it in 2020, the sales they would have gotten. Yeah. You know, cause Yamaha ran out. No. Yeah. You can't. And you can't he, buy 2021 in California. No. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Who is someone was telling me that the other day and I'm like, I could probably find one. I just, it's like, all of California, I think there's like two Yamahas left and that's probably, you know, you call them and they're like, Oh, it's gone. Well, I have a number of clients looking for them and they were bringing them from New Mexico and Colorado. I mean, they were bringing them from all over to, yeah. you know, and they would bring them to me and, uh, you know, we have a nice little bolt on package for them, you know, with an ECU and an air intake and a, an exhaust and, some other stuff that we put on them. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I like the Yamaha. Uh, you'll, you'll never take me away from the Honda stuff. Um, I like the Yamaha package and I think it can only improve. Um, it's pretty good now. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, Weenan's done some pretty amazing stuff on it and we're not going to do the same stuff in the off road. And if we race it in the desert, there'll be some upgrades. <clears throat> the tranny's so durable, dude. I mean, you'll notice a difference if you go to the Yamaha platform, nothing against the Honda, but the Honda tranny isn't as stout as that. No, no, no. Yeah. Not when you're replacing almost 
all the gears or heat treating them or doing this just to get through it. No, no. I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm yeah. not, who am I to tell you, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know the, you know the drill. No, I've, yeah, I've broken plenty of transmissions on my Honda, especially yeah. In the old days when you, you know, still bouncing around landing on shifters and all that stuff. Yeah. That, that, that tends to freaking take a gear. <laughs> Yeah. Let me ask you a couple of questions. I know that you've driven the UTV. I know you've won some championships in the UTV. Um, I, I'm kind of getting the feel that the UTV doesn't give you the satisfaction <clears throat> that racing the quad did. Yeah. That, you know, I had a lot of fun. I think we won two of the pro side-by-side championships. And then the next year I lose it on the last race. Cause the little, you know, plastic piece breaks on like wiring harness. And it's just one of those things like now we just had a lot of rough years and it's, you can't, I mean, you could try to build a better car, but it, you can't just outwork the guy. You can't out muscle the guy or out. I mean, you can still outskill him in driving, but it, it got to the point where like a lot of the winning the races was whoever, you know, built this ticking time bomb and whoever it didn't go off you know, in the race and they finished the race, you know, there's plenty of races where the fastest guy, um, you know, didn't win. And that's just kind of where side-by-side racing is right now. It went from, Oh, you could just throw some suspension and roll cage on and be competitive to now it's, you know, billet hubs and, you know, all this crazy money They're you know, to the point where they're 50 to $70,000 race cars to try to compete with these guys. And, you know, it just kind of, it's at this point where I kind of got, I'm kind of getting frustrated with it and, you know, I've already had bad luck this year. So yeah, just maybe start thinking about riding quads and, you know, not like no, those things never break, but you know, the racing's less frustrating and the overall it is less work and the um, science, the science of it is a little better. Um, you know, we've had longer to develop the ATV. So, yeah. And I think that's what, can-am's doing good right now is because they haven't changed their car every year like polaris has or they're always swapping stuff or the new or better things going out can-am's kind of just they've had the same car for five years and guys have pretty much have it figured out and perfected you know they can go out and do these certain things to make it strong enough and you know win a works race and the polaris is you know we're just always kind of playing catch-up of learning where the weak spots are on the new car Mm-hmm. there's something to be said for that have you got to drive a talon uh yes um yeah we have a close friend with one and i've done some testing in them um yeah it definitely you could tell they kind of developed that a while ago because the suspension travel and all that's kind of behind you know what a players and a can-am is but overall you the build quality is is really amazing on the hondas have you seen the kawasaki um, not up close. I only saw the one at the last works rate or yeah. Canyon where the engine was exploded. Really? Yeah. So going to the pits and then it blew up. Oh, bummer. Yeah. I, you, never, I, you never know what happened with that. Well, they probably didn't put oil in it, but yeah, something. Uh, I like that car and everything. I talked to Jimmy white about it quite a bit. And, and he says, it. Well, of course he's going to love it. Well, like his Kawasaki. I get it. Through and through. There's some bias there, but he's also a realist too. Yeah. You know, I mean, he'd tell me if it was a pile of crap and it's like, not- like the Kawasaki quad. 
Well, yeah, he already said that. Yeah, he would say that calcite quad sucks. Yeah, he hates that thing. <laughs> he said it more than once in, in the, when we were talking. So I know, I know how he feels about it. Um, I just wanted to get your take on that. You know, I don't talk to you very much and, you know, we, we, we've talked in passing at the races and, and, uh, you know, I've been a, a fan from a distance watching you and watching your career progress. Um, what about the asphalt car? Where did um, that go? So we hopped in that. It was a lot of fun. Um, that kind of fell apart because it is so hard to set up an asphalt car to, to be comfortable and fast and do all this. And, you know, just jumping in it, you know, every couple months against these guys that just do this every weekend since they were, you know, seven years old. Some of these guys are even younger. It was kind of just hard and just kind of jumping in, you know, to a, a, yeah, you know how to describe it, but lap times were decent. Um, my race craft was probably, you know, not there just with, you know, learning with spotters and all this. And it was a lot of fun, but it just took a lot of work to be competitive. And I just didn't have the time I kind of spread myself too thin between, you know, everything I was doing. I only had a couple weekends available to race that car a year. And then, you know, just didn't have enough time to get comfortable enough to stick with it. Um, you know, and it's just, it's just like anything, it's a lot of money time and it just didn't have, enough time. I feel like to make it comfortable. And, um, did, you, did you have any success? Uh, no, not really. Uh, yeah, we had right when I started to get the hang of it, totaled the car, hit a guy, you know, parked on the back straight and just told the whole car. So we spent a bunch of money getting it back together. Um, then after that, it was kind of like chasing, you know, is the frame bent and all this cause the car never felt good. And then, um, just kind of got busy and it was just sitting there. And then a guy offered to buy it for basically what we, you know, paid for it. Cause they're the asphalt cars are actually really cheap. Um, even I would say they're cheaper than razors. Um, but yeah, the guy offered and we're like, yeah, we don't use it enough. So might as well sell it. Wow. <laughs> but, but you have some asphalt experience now. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I mean, I have a lot more road course um, experience, but as far as oval, that's a whole different ball game. Those guys, um, yeah, maybe respect them more. It's just, you know, the amount of perfection that goes into getting those corners, right. Whereas like a road course, you know, just kind of, it was way road course fits me more, fits me better because it's more like what I grew up racing, you know, still about carrying speed and breaking at the right time and getting on the gas at the right time. That asphalt is just all about perfecting, you know, basically four corners or two, if you want to look at it that way and just getting the absolute edge, you know, everything out of a car. So it was a cool experience. Um, very humbling experience, but just kind of wasn't my cup of tea. Cause even after doing it, they're like, we're talking about, they're talking about NASCAR and stuff. I'm like, oh, I don't even like NASCAR. And they're like, why do you have a, you know, a NASCAR late model then? I'm like, I just wanted to try it. Yeah. It's something to do, man. Yeah, no, it was fun. And, uh, yeah, I don't regret doing it at all. I think I could do it better, you know, if I just spent the time at it, but I, I go all kinds of directions, what I want to do and just kind of whatever's fun at the time. What does your wife think of the racing? Uh, she loves it. 
Um, I mean, she didn't get to spend too much time, but she got to come to a couple nationals. Um, I think they are, what should that be? Loretta's, um, you know, she comes to every Havis, every works race, you know, and we stay in the camper and yeah, her and my, my kid loves it. So it's a lot of fun. It's kind of one of those things that, yeah, I'm very happy to have a family. Obviously she's into it. She has a dirt bike and she rides too. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun and hopefully get my kid into it, you know, whenever she's old enough. Dude, she's two years old. She's ready to go. Yeah. Well, she's got a quad and gear already, but it's electric and doesn't go that very fast. I taught Danny Ray how to ride a three-wheeler when he was two. They have videos. <laughs> That's awesome. They have videos somewhere, me holding on to a tie-down and him riding a, a 50, a little Suzuki 50. And he's pinned wide open and the tires are just throwing dirt everywhere. And I'm trying to hold on to this kid. And all he wants to do is go fast. Yeah. They don't, yeah. They don't even care if they hit anything or fall off or. And, 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 and his dad wasn't smart enough to turn the governor on the thumb throttle down to slow him down. Yeah. But it wouldn't be as fun. Well, yeah. But I mean, I'm thinking, why didn't I just turn the screw in and I could have let him go and then I wouldn't have had to hold on. Uh, well, yeah. You live and learn. Oh, well, yeah. Grand grandkids are, are changing all of that. I don't get to spend as much time with them as I'd like to, but, uh, you know, I had to buy a 400 EX for one of them because grandpa's too busy to build an LT 80 for my 12 year old grandson. So I had to buy him a 400 EX. Hey, that's how my dad always was. I think my first full size quad was a 250R. I was like 11. My dad just was like, oh, you'll grow into it. So, well, at a 1987 two video R. I have an LT80 out there that's half built in the shed, and it's supposed to be Ethan's. Well, it's not Ethan's now. It's now it's why it's and why it's eight. <laughs> get on it. Yeah, it's say eight years old. He's gonna. Oh, I probably ride that for a, a month and then be like, okay, I need something bigger. And probably because he rides the 50s and the 70s, <clears> um, <throat> the motorcycles in the in the yard. So he's going to, he's going to definitely want to jump up to something bigger. I think he already wants to ride that 400 EX, but that that's not my problem. That's my daughters and, and my son-in-laws. So I just get to sit there and laugh and watch. You get to cause the mayhem, but you don't have to fix it. When you were racing works other than Bo, who was your, your, your biggest nemesis? Um, I think once I got good enough, um, like, you know what I mean? like a championship contender and, um, you know, battling for wins. It was kind of only, as I felt, there's only me and Bo, you know, kind of petered out a little bit, you know, where a lot of people left, you know, we had Frenchie and Josh Fredericks and, um, Nelson. And, you know, if I'm forgetting anyone, we had, there was so much talent, like when I first started racing pro, but you know, I wasn't really, I just wasn't developed enough. I wasn't mature enough and I wasn't fast enough to kind of compete with those guys. So, you know, looking back to me in my head, it was kind of only me and Bo, you know, battling for the wins were, um, you know, but if you go back to pro-am days with me and Dylan Zimmerman, that was, you know, we had some, you know, <laughs> some amazing battles and he was the guy, uh, the up and comer guy to look out for when you, you know, when you first did works and if you could beat that guy, you know, that was kind of what everyone was shooting for. And Dylan was an awesome rider for Can-Am. And, you know, we had a couple of years of battling and then, you know, 
yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of ups and downs and Kawasaki's and Can-Ams, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And what'd you think uh, of that Kawasaki? It was, uh, at the time I thought it was awesome. And then once I kind of, um, you know, got to try other bikes and stuff, I'm like thinking kind of wasted a lot of good years of my racing career on the Kawasaki. It just wasn't, it was, it was hard to tune suspension wise because the chassis was so stiff. Um, durability was a nightmare with those engines and yeah, probably would have been better off staying on the Honda for a couple more or those years instead of kind of wasting time. Um, it was part sponsorship and part of, you know, the guys I was riding with at the time, we kind of all went Kawasaki. Um, you know, I had a monster sponsorship in my pro-am days and, um, just, you know, friends with Jimmy White. And we just had a lot of connections around Kawasaki. I even had an uncle that kind of, does some R and D at Kawasaki. Um, so I don't know. We just kind of all pushed that way. I think that was with, um, maybe Kyle Chislock, Justin Klinger, um, Clay and Indies. You kind of, were all a little team, um, on Kawasaki's and, you know, I made a lot of money off of their contingency program as a pro-am and, you know, it ended up working out really good, but, yeah, I think, you know, compared to Honda or Yamaha, it's just not there. Yeah, I spent a couple of years trying to make make them work and had, had, had some very frustrating weekends. Yeah, no, there's a lot of gremlins, a lot of electrical stuff. And, yeah, the electrical stuff killed me. I wasn't, uh, Danny was never prepared for the motor package and we could never get the the electrical worked out to to go there. You know, we had... Uh, Lauren had motor packages ready, just couldn't get the electricals not to fail. So we weren't going to dump all that money in a motor and have it sit on the side of the trail because the electronics weren't good. Yeah, no, it was, you know, and then you would see other people do, you know, be successful on a Kawasaki. So, you know, you're like, it's not that bad of a bike, but looking back, cause I did pro-am was that 2010 nationals you know, Joel was winning on a Kawasaki, but looking back, if he was on a Honda or Yamaha, he'd probably just be winning by more. He's just, he was that fast and he made that bike look really good. Um, but yeah, I'm really lucky. Too. Yeah. I that, I'm really lucky. No. I mean, I, I, I just, Jimmy helped me a lot and was helping me with some of the electrical problems that we were having, but you just, you just could never spend enough time fixing the, gremlin that yeah racing you know or you think you have it and then an hour in your race it just yep. starts doing weird things exactly that or to have pieces of gears go through the case you know right by my face during a race that was fun hey what was that <laughs> yeah just one tooth off i forgot it was a kickstarter gear uh one of them went straight through the case out the thing left a little hole there and we jb welded it and i think i raced the next day like that without even replacing the gear. <laughs> so a little I sketchy. I remember that. Uh, someone has a, that. someone has an old Kawasaki somewhere, probably in California with JB welded case on a KX 450. <laughs> That's too funny. But, so, um, we've talked a little bit about, you know, where you've been, um, where are you going? 
Um, right now, I don't know. I just want to, you know, have fun riding. Um, it's kind of the, you know, being frustrated the side by sides and I'm, I'm there at work. So I'm like, you know, I might as well bring my quad out. So that's kind of where we're going to start off. I never loved racing works. Um, just, it was, it's a lot of effort, you know, to race that long and that hard. And I always liked motocross way better, but I figured, you know, I'm already at the works races, so I might as well do it. I actually planned on doing this whole year. Um, I just happened to get coronavirus, you know, right around Christmas or right before Christmas time. And I just didn't feel anywhere near good enough to even ride a quad, you know, the first round. And I almost was like, I didn't feel good enough even to race my side by side, but, um, yeah, so that postponed it. And then now I'm like, well, I might as well get in better shape and just wait until Taft. Cause I don't want to destroy my quad. I have to the first round. Well, this will come out right around the Taft time is when your episode will release. So people will already know that you're racing and a lot of, a lot of the rumor mills going anyways. Yeah. I, I've announced it on social media and stuff like that. You know, I hope people don't put too much pressure on me. Like I'm just going to have fun. I'm not going to be, you know, competitive. I might get there or try to, but right now I just want to at least do one burner lap, show them, you know, you I still got some tell, speed and you can tell me anything you like when the green flag drops, dudes, it's all. Oh yeah. But I'm the, I'm always been that guy. If I, if I can win the race for the first 30 minutes and then my hands are blown off or I'm out of shape, I'd still rather do that than, you know, go a medium speed the whole time and, you know, finish the same lap times over and over again. Right. Right. Um, we didn't touch on your national time back there in the pro class. Um, you had some success with those guys and you got on the podium quite a few times. Um, how much did that teach you? Oh, that, I mean, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a great year of racing. You know, I, I, the years before, you know, that was always my goal. I wanted to go race nationals 2010. I did pro-am didn't do very good, but back then the competition was, I think even more than it was like now, you know, it was one of those things where I, sometimes I didn't qualify for pro-am, but it would have been a top 10 lap time in the pro class. You know, the pro-am was just stacked with Trelli, Hetrick, Snap, all these really fast guys. Um, you know, so that kind of took some wind out of my sails. And then I started getting faster at quad X and, you know, getting a lot quicker and I want to go back national. So we did select ones and, you know, always did decent, um, but never as good. And, you know, um, that whole ride started when I did the, was it the Caleb Moore challenge in Texas? Okay. I did that. Thomas Brown was there. I was still in, you know, right after the works championship, I think. So I'm still in great shape. I go there. He, you know, he just finished a season off, so he's probably not as good shape, but I was able to beat him, you know, at that underground track. And, um, that's where, you know, Eller was there and he saw me, you know, saw me ride and was kind of parked close to me and kind of talked to us. And, you know, months later, you know, I'm getting a phone call like, Hey, do you want to race the whole national series and see, you know, pretty much see what you got if you want to do the whole thing. And, um, it was a great experience. You know, I definitely think if I stuck with it, the second year would have been way better. Um, and it was a lot of fun going all these tracks and, you know, just one of those things where it's kind of realized I am just more of a homebody and don't want to be living out of hotel rooms, you know, every single weekend. And, um, it was a lot of fun. I got to see, you know, some of my potential, but maybe not all of it. And yeah, 
learned so much. And those guys, all those guys are amazing riders, but yeah, just kind of realized I liked being home more than that. When you're at home, do you work on the farm? Uh, yeah, now I do. I think back then is way less than now, but you know, yeah, recently, you know, if times got good again, I think I could probably do the nationals, you know, again, take that much time off, but it's just, it's so hard. Those guys, you know, I don't think a lot of people know how much those guys sacrifice, you know, the weanins, the Hetricks, how much work and how much stuff they miss. And, um, man, those guys, those guys worth work ethic and just raw talent and, you know, how much time they put in. is just crazy. I get it, man. I live it every day. And you know, when you work, I work for a company in the industry. So you have to put your, your hours in there. And then you, if you want to do the race program, you're doing that after hours on weekends, on birthdays, on weddings. Yeah. Anything It's just, yeah. I miss a lot of friends events, you know, you kind of lose even friendships with, you know, cause some people might not understand, like I, I can't miss a race. I don't care what it is. Like I signed the contract. I'm racing this whole series and this is what I want to do. And, and um, there's money and there's yeah. something on the line. And yeah. And it's, you know, it's a lot of sacrifice, but that's, that's what we like doing or, you know, those guys obviously it's like it more, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work. And, you know, it's one of those things where those tracks are just so different. They're set up so different. And, you know, the only, way I think you really could be competitive is to move out there and just ride that, those kind of tracks, um, all the time. I, there's no, I, there's no way I can just train here. Even when we had milestone and all these tracks open all the time, um, you know, and you get back there and pretty much everything you learned here doesn't really work there. Really? Yeah. Just the tackiness of their dirt is really different. How they, how rutted it gets. Um, yeah, my suspension, I thought worked great here. I got, to Daytona the first round and it just blew through everything. It blew the bumper straight off the, you know, the, the shock. It was just bottoming out so hard. Um, yeah, their track preps like way gnarlier. So it just gets deeper. And, you know, I honestly, I like our tracks a lot better, but, um, you know, that's not where the nationals go. What was your favorite track back there? Um, I think, <laughs> I think red bud, just cause the iconicness, the, the sandiness, the big jumps. Um, yeah, it's just an awesome track, awesome facility. You know, it's one of those races that I did in like 2013 to kind of get my feet wet, see, you know, how he stacked up against those guys. But yeah, it's just, that's an awesome track, but like it, it gets super gnarly, super rough where you're just bouncing through those whoops. You can barely even hold on, but yeah, that track and those big jumps was pretty fun. That's awesome. What's your favorite works track? Oh, works track. Mm, I want to say like, they don't go there anymore, but like the honey Lake kind of style, those kind of, you know, not just pounding whoops for, you know, two hours where it's got <laughs> elevation and different rocks and all this stuff. And it's not just a bulldozed, you know, 12 foot wide sand, you know, the first lap and then it gets super rough, but yeah, I think that Glen Helen's super fast and fun, but that could be hit or miss. Yeah. The works, you know, like Randy does, um, yeah, they do a great job. 
but it's kind of like, yeah, I just feel like we go the same tracks over and over again, but a lot of that's coronavirus. So I can't complain. Yeah. I think, I think that, I think that he's going to take it to another level once he gets the handcuffs taken off. You yeah. know, they want to do Vegas. They're, they're taking us to Idaho. Um, you know, I'm, I'm betting that in, in 22, probably 23, it's going to travel uh, farther and do some things. I hope they go back up into Washington and Oregon. Yeah. Um, there's a, a couple of cool tracks up there, you know, Washougal being one of them. No. Yeah. Those were a lot of fun. I mean, when you're traveling there, you're like, Oh, this kind of sucks, but yeah, it's kind of, it's cool to kind of get all these different terrains and, you know, atmospheres and just a whole different thing. You kind of want to see, you know, I felt like works was always good at finding whoever the best all around rider is, you know, and that's why Bo shines so good. He's the guy rips moto. He rips on a dirt bike. He rips, and rocks, he rips, you know, that guy can ride anything. And that's why he's, um, you know, I don't know, eight time champion or whatever it is. The guy can't lose at this point. I don't want to correct you, but it's nine. Um, nine. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, thought, I thought I would stick my chest out saying that, you know, I, I was with Eichner and we won five, but uh, five is not even close. I'm not even on the same planet with nine. Yeah. No, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it is crazy. And, and then you think of the people that have won the titles, you know, uh, they're the people that didn't, you know, uh, Frenchie won one, uh, Josh won two, you won one, uh, Sloan's won one. Um, and I know that I'm forgetting somebody, but it's, it's just unbelievable that the talent of guys and the, and the numbers he's, he's accumulated so many numbers, you know, nine. Yeah. No, it's crazy to think. Yeah. You know, and I, I remember one and I was just like, wow, who is this guy? And then, you know, we're all these years later and he's still, he's still the guy. Yeah. I remember, uh, one of the pro-am races, I'm getting lapped by a pro rider. I think he was on a Suzuki and it was Bo Barron, you know, <laughs> on a Suzuki. I'm like, I didn't know who this guy was. I knew pretty much all the other guys through, you know, either quad X or this, but I never heard of Bo Baron, but yeah, funny 10 years later, I'm his teammate. We're battling it out for a championship, but yeah. Awesome guy. Yeah. yeah I really, I've, uh, I've grown to uh, enjoy him very much. So uh, I like, I like most all of you guys and uh, you know, uh, it, I'm a fan, so I get to watch from a different perspective and yes, you know, going to the line with all of you guys, uh, I didn't get to do it that much with you, but, um, going to the, to the pro line and being on the line and, and being part of the, the group and, uh, watching all of you guys was, it's always pretty amazing. You know, I was working with Sloan when you were and Bo were working, you know, dominating and we were in the pro-am class doing our thing. And, um, it's just a lot of fun. I'm glad that you're coming back. I really am. You're going to add a dimension to the starting line that I don't think that some people are ready for. And I think you're going to be faster than you think you are because of you're settled. Um, and what I mean by that is you've grown up, you have better focus. Um, and you're more settled in your life with your wife and your child and the decisions that you make are going to ultimately put you in a better place. Well, 
I hope so. We'll see. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, Alan's not knows you do anything stupid either. No, uh, of course not. But yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's, I feel like it's really hard to ride a quad right now in California. I mean, you just have to basically go find a spot in the middle of nowhere now and ride just cause yeah, no one, yeah, no one likes to have their, uh, you know, nice, beautiful ruts messed up by our quads or get their lap times beat by a quad rider. And then, you know, they're complaining to the track owner and quads are off of it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the problem is, but, uh, I think the numbers are growing. I think that I think the ATVs are going to come back. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I want to believe in my heart that a Honda is going to pop, pop up with something, um, just by the way it feels. Yeah. Well, I've heard rumors about already a new side-by-side from Honda. So, um, I think they're starting to put some money and time into it. I think coronavirus really like hindered that and kind of postponed it. Maybe I know that the supply lines from all the factories have been hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So even if they wanted to build, like say their plan was to build it in 2020, there's no way they could have built them. No, it would have been tough if they were starting the project in 2020, dude, they got kneecapped and and, yeah. uh, I mean, even their dirt bike is kind of suffered from it. Their brand new 2021, you know, Honda 450. It's like one of the worst reviewed 450s they put out just because it was kind of rushed and they didn't have enough test time and it's got a bog from the factory. And you got to bring it back to the dealership to fix it. Wow. Sounds like a Yamaha quad. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but aftermarket fix that, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. We're not allowed to talk about that. You know how it is. Never. Yeah. We never. We never modify anything. I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, especially when it comes to quads. Yeah, you have to change everything on a quad. That's that's why it makes it so expensive. You know, it's kind of like yeah. an asphalt car. You know. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing normal or nothing stock on an ATV other than the cases and some of the fenders and yeah. everything else we modify, especially on a Honda. You're gusseting the frame, you're, you know, changing the swing arm, changing the A-arms, the shocks, modifying yeah. the motor. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And you get a dirt bike and it's pretty much race ready. You can go out and be competitive on it with the bone stock dirt bike. You watch Supercross at all? Yeah, I do. Who's your who's your guy? Um, I like Webb just because he just says it how it is and he just rides really good. I feel like he would have won the championship last year if he didn't have that one get off, you know, off the whoops and landed on the cement on the concrete. But I yeah, I kind of like him. Um, I was sad Sexton got hurt right away because I feel like he might be like a like a Bubba Stewart kind of out there super fast, you know, maybe then crashes too much. But yeah, excited with Chase Sexton with his talent. I'm kind of wanting Roxon to do it. Oh, Roxon. Yeah. I, I just feel like that's automatic. Everyone loves Roxon. I like a good I, dude. I like Roxon because his warrior spirit. Yeah. You know, when you get injured, he could have easily hung it up. Yeah. No, we were at the Red Bull straight rhythm. Mm-hmm. This was like six months after I think his, you know, big Rex. I mean, his arms were so thin and looked fragile and scars all over the place. I'm like, no, this guy, there's no way that guy's going to be able to ride or be competitive. Like, you know, like he was anymore. 
And that was four or five years ago. And now he's about to win a championship probably again, or win a championship. So he's only got a, a two point lead. Yeah. But still that I, uh, yeah. From what he came back from already, the dude's a monster. Did you watch, uh, Daytona? Um, uh, the Supercross. Yeah. Yeah. Parts of it. And Tomac dominate the whole time or did they hand it to him? Um, they pretty much handed it to him. He just got a good, Tomac got a good start. He's good at that track. He's always good at that track. Cause he's, he's an outdoor guy. Um, and you know, Webb took Roxon a little high. I think he was a little gotten in his head about that. And Roxon kind of caught up back to him, but yeah, I think Webb playing those mind games with him kind of got into Roxon's head. You can tell after the interview at the end of the race, cause he was pretty sour about the whole thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not a, I'm not a, I'm, you know what? I can't say it. I'm just not a Katoom fan. Who? A Katoom. KTM. Oh yeah, I am. They're not bad. I got a Husky, so it's the same thing. Exactly. You know, and you can get a get a red one at gas. Yeah. You know, that's probably just the whole race team. And, but it, it, it's not from the fact that, that I don't think that some of their engineers are smart dudes. I think they're phenomenally smart. Uh, I don't agree with everything they do, but you know, who, who, who does. Right. Um, I just didn't like the way they came into Supercross. I what, think but just buying everyone. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they didn't have a production bike. They didn't have a, a production deal like Honda, uh, Suzuki, Kawasaki and Yamaha had to come up with. And for the first three or four years, they were just uh, a works bike and it wasn't fair. Um, and then I started talking to a privateer. I forget his name now. I apologize. Sorry about that. And he, uh, he was explaining that the factory Honda bike at the time had a different head on it. And the frame was different than the production bike that he was riding. Yeah. How's that allowed? Exactly. And I was just thinking, okay, so maybe they were allowing, uh, you know, when uh, Villapoto was riding, I heard rumors that there were things on his bike that weren't factory. Yeah. Yeah, It's always possible. I mean, yeah, the things they might be able to get away with when they're, you know, that big, what are you going to do? DQ Honda DQ. They're just too big. Yeah. You just never know. And maybe they did have, maybe they did have input in it. And for a few years, the rules were overlooked. And I think now they're probably more equal than everything, you know, uh, you know, because KTM and Husky are, yeah, uh, they have to have a platform now and they do have a platform. Um, and the gas gas thing is <laughs> look at it from a fan stand, stand, standpoint, you know, there's what, eight models, seven models that you can buy. Yeah. To ride all seven, four fifty motorcycles, you know, come on guys, make a couple quads. Really? It's really yeah. that hard. No, that's yeah. Especially. And don't build that five twenty five thing. You came out or whatever, but they have, was it a four fifty or is it a, they had a four fifty, a five Oh five and a five twenty five. Yeah. That yeah. thing was so bulky. It was built like their endurance, you know, mm-hmm off-road dirt bikes instead of the motocross ones. 
I think if they put their mind to it, they could, you know, why not bring out a Husky and a KTM and a gas, gas quad 450 and, yeah, you know, really shake things up in the, or at eight, least, yeah. Know. Even if just one of them did it, if you just decided, well, gas, gas, you know, we'll do it with gas, gas. So it doesn't hurt our brand. If it, you know, fails or something, <laughs> but pretty much if, if anyone just jumped on board besides Yamaha right now, it would just start a whole like revolution of quad racing. Yes. Cause they all kind of want, you know, it's the same thing when they pulled out, you know, one guy, you know, one factory team would pull out and the other guys are like, well, they're not going to spend the money. You know, we shouldn't spend it either. And they all just kind of pulled out. Right. And then, and then hopefully it'd Yamaha be you know, held works in reverse. Yeah. Yamaha's. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people get hate, you know, for all these quad riders going to Yamaha and I'm like, you can't hate on them for going to Yamaha. They're the only ones that support the sport. Cause right now no one else cares about it. It breaks my heart, but I get it. You know, yeah. I mean, if, if we were going to race series, I probably wouldn't. If I'm going to go race desert, I'm going to race a Honda. Yeah. But if I'm going to go works or if I'm going to go back to the nationals or woods, especially woods, I'm going to ride a Yamaha, you know, I mean, yeah. just because it's, it's the parts are readily available. Everybody's got tech for it. Everybody's got something for it. Yeah. And the packages that you can buy and use are, are really good stuff. So, yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's out there. It's developed. It's a solid platform. I think, you know, they win the Nationals and GNCC almost every year now. So, right, right. Um, we got off onto a couple other topics, but, uh, what do you do for training? Most of your training program? Um, you mean like back in the day or like right now trying to get wow. back into it right, right now. now? Um, honestly, a lot of just riding and then like Peloton or road bikes right now, I just need to get my cardio up and just lose weight. So I think I've lost, um, like 15 pounds in the last month and a half or two. And I mean, I still got a ways to go but right now. I just need to get a lot of cardio, you know, eating healthier, get all the junk out of my system. Um, you know, but then when it gets more to it, you know, I probably get into either a trainer or something, just someone to motivate me and, you know, keep me up. You know, I had that back East and I had it here when I raced and won the championship, um, the works series. And it's just kind of, I work better with a trainer and someone, you know, on top of me all the time and tell me what to do. And, um, you know, it's hard to motivate yourself sometimes. So sometimes just having a guy to come scream at you and make sure you're putting in the effort. You know, I always thought it was worth it, especially when I made a living racing, you know, a small percentage went to a trainer and I, even if it was quite a bit of money, it, I think it always paid off. That's, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, everybody needs help where they need help and to realize that that's a weakness or maybe not a weakness, but something that you could use guidance for, use it, you know, and you got Alan to, to help you build your bikes and uh, mom and dad for support and your wife and your, and your baby. And uh, dude, you got it going on. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing your results and seeing how you do. And I know that you're going to come out competitive swinging. You know, you can tell everybody what you want, but you're a, you're a competitor. You're, you still got it. You still got the fire. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you're going to shake it up a little. Well, I hope I do. Yeah. I'm not too worried about the speed. I'm more worried about just fitness and, you know, you know, the, the muscles you get from riding a quad and, you know, people think it's so easy, but it's, it's, you know, it's one of the hardest things I think 
you can ever do is, you know, race like a works race or something like that. It's just, it's something that's even sometimes hard to train for, but yeah, as far as, you know, my speed, when I first got back on the quad, I, I felt, you know, you know, it was like four years off the quad and I wasn't sure if I was going to feel horrible or this. And I, it felt like I never left. And that was kind of the, what sparked me wanting to get back into it because, um, the fitness was way off, but the speed I, you know, I felt like it was, I only lost like a couple percentage of my speed. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I was happy about that. And the next day I could barely walk or move my arms. So (laughs) too much junk food and, you know, kind of letting myself go, but yeah, that's another reason, you know, I kind of want to get into it. I have a young kid and just need to be healthy. And, um, I know quads are dangerous, but it's just something to motivate me to get in shape and, you know, make sure. And, and, and freaking working with cows, isn't, uh, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's not really? dangerous really? every once in a while. Okay. Well, see, there you go. We only have like a workman's comp case every other month. <laughs> so as long as it's not you, right? Yeah. No, I've, I've had stuff. My brother-in-law just like a month or two ago, smashed his thumb so hard. The cow kind of pinched it in between the bar and it just, blew the whole fingernail off and everything. So there's all these little injuries and we've had people get attacked by cows and yeah, when they realize they're strong, they, they can, they can kill you if you want. They just, they're gentle giants. Are, are not to, I don't know any, I don't spend much time with cows. Trust me. Um, are they as docile sometimes as, as they look? Um, yeah, they're pretty happy go lucky. Um, you know, we have bulls though, that will, I've seen a bull throw another 2000 pound bull, like over its back, like it was nothing or through fences or, you know, literally like rip trailers apart, you know, while I'm transporting them, they're just, they're super strong. They just have no idea. So unless they're in a, you know, a situation where they need it, they're usually just chill and they're just kind of lazy. Well, you see every once in a while, you see somebody do something with a cow that the cow almost acts like a dog, you know, falling yeah. down and, you know. Yeah, no, they'll, they'll like every night, they'll even cause like dust storms because they'll just run around together. That's usually the younger ones. The older ones, not so much. They kind of probably just stare at them and go, we used to do that back in the day. <laughs> hey, that's what happens to all of us, dude. Yeah. It happens to I'm, all of us. I'm getting there. I stand on the sideline and you race. <laughs> Yeah. I'm getting there faster than I want to brother. You're still a baby. Don't even go there. You got, yeah. hey? you got 20 years. I think, I think I'm, I might be still younger than Bo when he won his first championship. I'm trying to think what year he won. Weren't you the youngest person to win a works race or works title? Oh, well, I didn't even, didn't even realize that. I think you were, I think you were, you know, so, if I do it till I'm 40, you know, maybe I can have 10 championships. Who knows? You know, Bo's knocking on the door. No, he's going to do it till he's 50. That guy will do anything not to have a nine to five job. I get it. I he's, get it. Nine to five jobs are horrible. And yeah, no, he's got that, that moto lifestyle. Yeah. Unless he finds like a race team to run and make money off of that. <laughs> dude, that dude loves racing and he's going to do it forever. Uh, well, he's so chill. And that's one of the things that, you know, he's, he's chill and then excitable all at the same time. 
you know, one second he's smiling and the next minute he's chewing something ass. Yeah, no. Yeah. Quite the character. Exactly. Davey, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with ATV Talk. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, I know that it was a little struggle to fit you into the schedule and, and your time is valuable. And, um, I want to invite you back, uh, when you get a few races under your belt or get some time out there and you can come back and tell us how it is, how you feel. And, um, I want to talk more about the three wheeler at some point when you get a few more races under your belt, maybe some more practice on it. Okay. Yeah. No, that'd be fun. You know, I, I talked to, I did get a chance to talk to Alan. Um, I'm going to get him on the show because I want yeah, to wrangle them in. Uh, yeah. I, I want to, I, I need a mechanics perspective. Um, there are people that are asking for mechanics. Um, they want more mechanics and more XC guys. Um, the XC guys are so busy. They're very difficult to get, but yeah. Talk about training. Those guys are on road bikes, mountain bikes, or doing crazy motos all the time. Yeah. I had to talk to Chad Weenan. Well, he was driving his rig to Florida. Hey, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the only time you had. So yeah, no, they're, and it's a lot of work, a lot of sacrifices. Guys are rock stars. Yeah, exactly. Well, you are too, brother. Don't think you're not. You have a big fan base and I'm sure that they'll all come back out soon as you start riding. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Brother, I'll let you get back to your wife and thank you again for spending time with ATV Talk. Um, I will need some things from you and not for a little while yet. Um, this episode will will air probably uh, end of May. Okay. Um, you're episode 69. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll get you some information and I'll get some information from you and tell you what I need. Um, but uh, again, thank you so much. And I really appreciate you spending the time with us. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.